Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. I fucking hate you, but I love you. I'm bad at keeping my emotions bubbled. We're good at being perfect. We're good at being troubled. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. We also have Bill Graham. Woo! And that's it. No goddamn guest this week. We're off the leash. Beholden to no one. We're here to talk about Waves, the newest film from writer-director Trey Edward Schultz. Out in theaters now from A24 releasing. It's a 2-4 A24. I still cannot remember the right one. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Great, great. We're all in the same <laughs> thing. They have an entire shirt dedicated to telling us the right way to say it. And none of us know, apparently. Um. Anyway... Movies out in theaters now. We will be talking about it. Before that, all the usual stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Find us on your podcast app. Give us a comment and rating on iTunes. Email us, podcastfilmstage.com. In addition, you can become a patron of this show by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel. Where you can talk with other fans of the show about the show and the movies that we talk about and fucking literally everything else under God's green creation. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a melee over there. It's a free for all. It's wonderful. And um, I, I heard this, I, I was listening to a podcast and they were just talking about how any discord over 15 people is just pure chaos. <laughs> and we're not quite there yet. <laughs> I think yeah, because we have a lot of people, but like many of them are not everyday speakers, you know, like they'll, sure. they'll jump. But there are some people who are like, it's a religious thing. It's like every day you wake up, yeah, you check your email, you check the weather, you check what's going on in the film stage show Slack. And uh, there's always something going on on the film stage show Slack. Um, <laughs> to the people you also, who come in occasionally, you are the smart ones. Congratulations. <laughs> you're living your best life. <laughs> Tell us how to be like you. <laughs> oh, boy. Um <sighs> Yes, yeah, so once again, go to patreon.com slash show and uh, give us your money. We are also brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, where every day their fabulous curators bring you a brand new movie to watch and enjoy. Each movie lasts 30 days, so you have a constantly rotating selection of films to choose from. You can e- or email them. You can download them to your phone. You can stream them to your smart TV. They have smart TV apps. They have apps and websites that you can play on your computers. You can access it everywhere. It's awesome. It's great. Let's look at some of the stuff they have playing now. Again, they have a movie called Volcano. It is not the one starring Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Heche. I apologize. They also have the Cotton Club Encore as part of their Francis Ford Coppola series. Francis Ford Coppola reignites cinema. This is a movie that's gotten a lot of, of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, talk this year. A lot of ink. Yeah, that's what I was going for. Sure. Um, 
the movie take, we kick off our series on the visionary movie brat Francis Ford Coppola with this new revitalized cut of a previously maligned film. Journey to one of the cultural zeitgeist of the 20th century, Harlem's Cotton Club, circa 1930, and this masterful portrait of the many struggles of artistry. The synopsis is as follows. The Cotton Club is a famous nightclub in Harlem. The story follows the people who visit the club, those who ran it, and is peppered with jazz music that is made it so famous. So that is awesome. Looking forward to checking that out when I have a yeah. chance. Yeah, I, I have heard a few like Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Cop- Jesus, Coppola, Coppola diehards <laughs> talk about this in the past as like an interesting failure. But I have heard nothing but great things about this new cut. So, yeah, I, I hope to check this out as well. You have 28 days. So, yeah, here's another one. This one just showed up today and it looks fantastic. It's called The Widowed Witch. Here's the synopsis. When Erhu is widowed for the third time, the credulous locals in her village believe she is cursed. The young woman turns superstition to her advantage, rebranding herself as a shaman, peddling life advice and supernatural quick fixes in return for food and shelter. <laughs> movie sounds amazing. Want to yeah, see it. <laughs> so glad I have movie because I can. And so can you if you go to MUBI.com slash film stage for a free 30 day trial. Again, it is MU bi.com slash film stage that's that uh gentlemen anything to talk about before we talk about waves uh i don't think so cool great awesome it's gonna be a quick episode (laughs) (laughs) it's five minutes in and we're already to the main review when Uh, was the last time that uh, happened it's been a while (laughs) yes it has all right so here we go Waves, again, the new uh, film from director Trey Edward Schultz, who is also the writer. He of Krisha and It Comes at Night fame, this movie. Um, I'm going to read the IMDb summary because I didn't know shit about this movie walking into it. And I guess if you're going to see it, that's the best way to do it. And I literally do not know how to summarize this movie. So according to IMDb, Waves traces the journey of a suburban family led by a well-intentioned but domineering father as they navigate love, forgiveness, and coming together in the aftermath of a loss. Movie stars Kelvin Harrison Jr., Taylor Russell, Sterling K. Brown, (laughs) amongst many others who I am sure we will talk about. Here is the trailer. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It doesn't boast. Love also forgets wrong. I will always love you. How I do. It's been hard, hasn't it? Let go of a prayer for you. How you doing with everything? I'm good. Just a sweet word. You know, it's okay if you're not. All right. That is the trailer for Waves, which is as equally enigmatic as the IMDb summary. So let us talk about it. Here we go. Starting off with Michael Snydell. What are your thoughts on Waves? Yeah, you know, uh, Waves was something I was looking forward to for a while. Trey Edward Schultz is someone I'm, I'm, uh, I, I uh, liked his first film uh, quite a bit, even though I, I found it very ostentatious. Uh, Krisha, I, it really hit me emotionally. And uh, I really thought It Comes at Night was really half-baked. 
And I, um, I really, really think that if Tradward Schultz is going to continue being a filmmaker, he needs a co-writer or his own writer. Cause I, I just, uh, this falls into, for me, all of the pratfalls that people talk about when they talk about adults writing teenagers, you know, uh, that's certainly followed, you know, all of the popular teen soaps right now, whether you want to talk about the Riverdales or the, uh, or Pretty Little Liars, or Pretty Little Liars, I think it's been off the air for years, but whatever. <laughs> Either like way, the my, Gossip my... Girls, the Dawson's Creeks. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> the dynasties. How of, dare you just not day. come out and say Euphoria? What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, I was going to actually mention Euphoria because oh, okay. I actually watched one of those episodes. I watched an episode of that, and that kind of reminds me of Waves. If Waves actually had a point of view. I, I thought Waves was excruciating. Um, I think that shit. You literally said nothing about the plot, Brian. <laughs> okay, I, like I said, um, I didn't know what I could no, say. I walked into you, this movie just being like, the trailer is nothing but gauzy, like neon-hued South Florida imagery of people closing <laughs> their eyes and leaning their head backs as they drive vehicles. Like that's. And yeah. like people making out in water. Like, I don't know what to say about this sure. movie. I don't sure. know if it's a spoiler or not. All right. Without getting into any plot, I think this is try hard pseudo Malikian uh, trauma porn that is so barely written. Uh, and it's trying so hard to be about these big things, these ideas of exceptionalism or of, uh, sorry, of black exceptionalism, of, uh, addiction, of, uh, what it means to just struggle with the full access of being a teenager. And I think it almost fails com uh, completely. Uh, there is, very little of this movie I found enjoyable. I found the cinematography uh, suffocating. I do not need any more 360-degree shots in a car. There are almost a half dozen of those same shots in this movie. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I really found this just a hard watch. And let me tell you, when you think it's over... It's half over. All right. Good times. Bill Graham. Yeah. Um, I looked at my watch probably about 20 times throughout this movie. Oh, boy. Um, oh, I, no. I was, oh, boy. I was. No, we thought you would say that. No. No, I am not. Okay. I will not. Let's um, do this. <laughs> I really did not like this movie. Um, I was, I, I <laughs> oh, no. had, I had the contemplation. I paid money to go see this. I had the contemplation of walking out of the final 20, 30 minutes oh, no. and, and I didn't, I, I held strong. I knew I was going to do a podcast on it and I did. Oh God. So this is, 
is is this our this is our this year's La La Land? Then I guess. Yeah, but I don't think this film has that much critical praise um, compared to La La Land. Like I don't think I don't think this is going to win an Oscar. So I think I mean uh, La La Land shouldn't have been nominated for Oscars, let alone won. Sure, but also La La Land made a shit ton of money, and it also was critically well received. Yeah, and all of those Tumblr. Yes. I am. Uh, so, so just this is a horrible metric, and I apologize for doing this. But La La Land has a ninety-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Waves has an eighty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Which is weird because, uh, not not to step on your your thoughts, Bill, which we will get back uh-huh. to. But like when I when I my run up to this movie was I saw the trailer once. I have seen pictures. And I was like, this movie looks like the kind of nice looking movie that I'm not going to like. And um, I just kept hearing people talking about how bad it was. And so I was expecting that it would be like, you know, one of these these indies that like comes out and has a lot of festival buzz and then crashes hard. And I was shocked to look it up and be like, oh, no, there is a strong consensus that this is good. Mm. Yeah. How many reviews is that? <laughs> I, you're just like maybe it's a small sample size. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, total, I mean that's a very real thing, especially total count on uh, is 172. Yeah, versus 400 <laughs> versus 438 on on La La Land. Well, La La Land has been out longer, so and I don't know who's a tomato worthy critic, you know, but like I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know, but still, I mean, like yeah. waves. I would say like. Wave and verified audience score, 80% out of 259. I went on Twitter last night and like Googled or not Googled on Twitter. I went on Twitter and searched Waves movie and like most everything I saw was like really positive. And so there was a moment after I saw this movie where I was like, am I crazy? Is this, why did I only keep like, maybe my bubble is such that I only kept seeing bad things about this movie, but everyone actually loves it. So my shock now sitting here with both of you who also hated it. Um, here's, here's the thing. So I think, I think this film is going to pander to certain audiences. And I feel like, uh, unfortunately, just like with his last film, um, it's going to make smart, smart ish people feel really smart and feel like they got something out of it. And I mean, yes, that's a low blow if you did get something out of it. Um, and, uh, you know, Schultz certainly got the emotional gut punch he wanted on me at the end of this film. But the fact that I wished uh, the last 30 minutes was the actual film and not the, uh, what, an hour and 40 minutes other was was something <laughs> else. Um, I wish I could have skipped that entirely. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll have to say more here when we get to spoilers, because it doesn't sound like we're going to have a whole lot of things to say, at least initially. Um, I will say this, uh, I did not know I needed a, a shirtless Sterling K Brown in my life, but I definitely <laughs> needed that. I feel like, like I've known that for a while, even though I haven't I, seen it. You know? I, I, didn't know. So I didn't oh. know. I didn't know. I didn't know. 
yeah, that's uh, I'll give you I'll give that. Um, what the fuck is Lucas Hedges doing in this movie? He should not be playing a high schooler and kissing a high schooler. This that made me feel like, so feels gross. like a high schooler to me. He feels like he's 30 years old by now. Oh he's God. been in so he's that's been in he's so been many 16 movies. movies in the last yeah. three years. Bro. <laughs> I was so weirded out by that. Um, yeah. OK, I'm done. Man, how old is Lucas Edges? <laughs> that's what I just I just I'm trying to find out. Right? <laughs> Taylor Russell was born in 1994. Okay, jeez. So you find out when Lucas Hedges was born, then we. She's will... actually also on Euphoria, interestingly enough. <laughs> oh, well, that makes a lot. Of sense. Years older than her, so oh, well, that's not bad. So he's 22. Okay, that doesn't make any fucking sense. He just. <laughs> So mean to Lucas Hedges, though. <laughs> well, whatever. Really showing his age. <laughs> Anyways. Wait a second. Did you let's, say let's Lucas it, Hedges man. was 22? Yeah. But he was born in 1992? No, no 96. Oh, 96 okay. That makes sense. Years. Gotcha. So, yeah, right, he's yeah. 23 now. That's crazy. Because he was born December 12th, so. In 1996. Yeah, so he is, he is legitimately younger than the woman who played the, the high school girl that he is uh, playing off of in this movie. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah. now that we've had a good minute of just wondering about Lucas Hedges' age and then responding to the fact of his age, I guess it's my turn. So Michael and I don't always agree about movies. <laughs> There's been a runner this year. I need to start actually paying more attention to this, but like you keep saying things like this movie's too clever this movie's too tight in its construction. And <clears throat> like with Knives Out and Parasite, I'm like, no, give me that Swiss watch, baby. Keep the sand <laughs> out of it. Like, I love this shit. And so when you were talking- I just, sh- I, I just watched Parasite today. So I was like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is it. This is, an, this is two hours and 10 minutes worth of my time. <laughs> so, so when you started talking shit about Waves, I was like, you know, maybe I'll like it because I remember you didn't really like Manchester by the Sea that much, you know, and I like fucking loved that movie and it like made me feel oh, seen sorry, and loved. Yeah, just, I also, love Margaret. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, that's fine, I guess. Um, but uh, so I'm, I walk in and I think I texted you at some point and said, what will you do if I love waves? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I said, go with God. <laughs> <laughs> I, my my biggest concern is like, what if I just fucking love waves and then I have to talk with Michael about it and it becomes a whole thing. That's a d- eventuality that did not come to pass because I, I did not like this movie. Um, I And the crazy thing is, I feel like there is if if you could break this movie into distinct chunks, there are things to recommend in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that many of the actors give fine performances. I think that some of the camera work, had it been localized <laughs> to single moments, would have been astounding and like striking. Um, Michael brought up cameras spinning in cars. Um, if they had done that twice, yes, maybe yeah. that would have been good. But when every time someone's in a fucking car. It just becomes insanity. And when the camera is constantly spinning on a 360 axis, it just becomes the first moment. 
Yes. <laughs> for <a> second. <laughs> and then there's, this is a movie that like, they, and there's a certain kind of, of film that's like, how do we make our characters seem carefree and like weightless? Oh, like what if they were driving or on a bike? And what if during the course of that, they stuck their arms out and just like, we're really carefree. And that's like 60% of this movie. <laughs> And it's just it's a it's a repetition of a motif that becomes wearying and and at a point becomes like Sideshow Bob stepping on rakes. Where the the first time it's like, ha, yes, in, interesting and impactful. And then it becomes unfunny and then it becomes really funny. That's this entire goddamn movie. And, I, you know, the, the, the term misery porn, I believe, was thrown out. It is 100 percent that it also strikes me that like. This is how I like Michael when you say like knives out is too overwritten and I'm like straight up man it's a mystery it's supposed to all click into place and like parasites too overwritten or too too neat I'm like yeah but it's like it's this little clockwork puzzle box thing that's crazy and awesome and it's like a farce and I need that but like no one would ever claim that Manchester by the sea is too neat or like Knight of Cups is too neat and no. this movie is the neatest motherfucker on earth. It is so obviously written that it becomes a distraction because rather than feel bad for the characters because of the turns that are going on in their life, I feel bad that they had the misfortune to be written by a sadist. And that really takes me out of the movie. Um, takes me out of the movie kind of constantly a lot. You know, it's 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 really crazy. There's... Nits to pick, but generally I would say that the movie is just, it's, it it's like the last half of this movie should have been all of this movie and with like maybe flashbacks or something, or it should have taken the route of something like, I don't know, Moonlight, um, and just jumped ahead and like shown us something else. But like the way that the movie is structured the way that everyone is acting in it, it's just there's something really like wrong here. And it, it annoys Gross. me because like I when I, I think of a certain scene, I think of like Sterling K. Brown driving his truck at night, you know, scared and angry. And sure. the way that the camera pivots in that moment is the feeling of being lost or searching for someone and being spun up. But again, if you have that happen, six at least times only in cars, not including every time it happens on land, what should be disorienting and impactful just becomes another time that you're doing that thing that clearly you figured out how to do and fell the fuck in love with. And so, yes, I was not a fan of waves and, um, I apologize to people who were, because this is not the show for you. Apparently I, um, I don't know. Was our guest, we were supposed to have a guest without saying who it is. Did they like this movie or were they also not a fan? They really like it. Oh, well, damn. Wish we'd been able to have them on. I, they were unable yeah, to make it. Yeah, timing just didn't work. It was, it was I, I will say is the person who schedules guests too. Guys, guests are coming back. It's just, it's this time, time of year, year is bad. Yeah, it's, it's real great. <laughs> guests are, there are guests coming up. I promise <laughs> you won't have to hear only our voices. As, as between, you know, between like fixing things and like getting stuff ready and then like just wanting to spend time with people you love, not strangers on the internet shouting about movies. 
Mm-hmm. It's a hard yeah. time to get guests. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I wish that they'd been here, but also part of me is like, maybe not. Because how fun would that be for them if they just walked in and all three of us hated it? Sure. I don't hate this movie as much as Michael did. And I did not look at my watch 20 times. Um, so maybe I will end up sounding like the person who is the most positive. Mm-hmm. But even as I brought up, you know, maybe pair back on the the rotations, I think I heard Michael say yes to that and agree with me. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just more willing to sit down and and look at it instead of just straight hating it. But Michael's not actually going to push back on any of my recommendations. It's um, it's not a great movie. It's it's not, and it's weird because this, like, as a, as a man who, when creating my uh, top of the decade list, you know, I, I was on Letterboxd, I had some free time, and I was like, I should start setting down some ideas, you know, and maybe I'll do 10, maybe I'll do 20, maybe I'll do 15, I don't know. But let me just start free associating and like plucking out of my brain. Like, what's the first thing that comes to my head when I think of the best of the decade? Every one of these movies is the saddest most oh obviously brian wants to kill himself movies that you could ever imagine so this movie is so up my alley but the aesthetics and the writing and the structure and the focus forced me out which is crazy because again this movie should be 100 my thing so that's my thoughts the, the other thing i want to note is um trey edward schultz has i guess he's been open about it in in interviews in the past especially around uh before it comes at night is that is that right yeah it comes at night yes um about the fact that that film was kind of written around the time when was it his grandfather or was it his father? I think it was his grandfather was was like pretty sick and ill and dying and the family was gathered and there there was just a lot of emotion going around. And that film manages to touch on kind of family death. Um, somehow this motherfucker wove that in to this film as well. And it's just like, what the fuck dude like why do you keep coming back to this um isn't krishna krishna is about like a big gathering of family for some kind of situation after rehab uh the yeah the the main character comes back it's right after she comes back from the titular krishna The titular Krisha. Oh, God, I hate that word. (laughs) Titular? Yeah. Yeah. uh, I mean, this guy's definitely concerned with family, uh, definitely concerned with, like, what it means to move on. Um, These are definitely hallmarks in his works that are not that hard to pick out once you see uh, two of his three films at this point. Um, So, you know, and, and that's not the harsh on that. It's just to say that he definitely has some cards to play and like michael is saying maybe maybe hopefully down the line he gets someone else to start dealing him a new a new hand of cards um so yeah i i mean there is some interesting stuff here um the some of the party sequences are actually I found frustrating, but also frustrating because of 
what they're trying to depict, which is frustrating to watch uh, more than it is like the actual setup and execution of it. Um, but this film definitely like if you're if you're thinking, oh, this is going to be quick, like this certain dramatic sequence isn't going to take. No, <laughs> uh, they last and last and last. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I I should say that I really I I really liked it comes at night. I um mm-hmm. I found it to be a very striking uh grafting of, you know, normal grief and and loss and longing onto a semi-apocalyptic story. Um I really liked the way it was shot, I remember. Like I there's a lot about it that I liked. And um this movie I was just like is this the same guy? It's sort of this the reaction that I had after I loved the lobster. And then saw the killing of a sacred deer where I was like, I forgot about that. I was like, Oh no. Shit. (laughs) Like you have like one really fun night with someone and then you like hang out with them again. You're like, Oh, maybe this person sucks. (laughs) Maybe maybe it was just like all the right things on that one day for me to put up with their bullshit. And I'm just never going to want to see them again. But now we're Facebook friends and I feel compelled to spend time with them. Um, yeah, so that's that's a bummer, too. And again, you know, there's there's stuff in this that I liked. But it, it, and, and I read reviews for this and it was a lot of people saying how good the movie was. And like talking about all the things that I found to be obviously not good choices and like gushing over them. And like, this isn't the first time that we've been on the wrong side of a critical consensus um, referencing La La Land once again. It's mostly what? just me though. Usually. <laughs> yeah. What was last year? We had another one that was like La La Land, didn't we? Yeah. Where we were just like, Oh no, this movie sucks. What's everyone thinking? Can't... What was that? I can't... Give me a sec. I'm, I'm looking right now. Okay, great. Um, while Michael does that, I will continue to think about what else I wanted to say. The the soundtrack to this movie is at once its most laudable aspect, but also its most depressive. And you, I, you know who it is, right? No, not. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I said soundtrack. Oh, no, I did say soundtrack. I said the right thing. I did not say okay. score. I said yeah, soundtrack. Okay. okay. The score is Atticus Ross and that other guy. Mm-hmm. Trent Reznor, who are currently <laughs> Jesus Christ. No one has ever remembered Atticus Ross and not Trent Reznor. <laughs> I uh you know, I I I'd swim at my own pace, baby. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why Atticus Ross is the one I could remember <laughs> and not Trent Reznor. Um uh, what was uh, I going to say? Uh, Reznor just just buried himself in an early grave. Trent Reznor is <laughs> gonna take that slight and write another award-winning album. Um, so what was the thing I was going to say? Uh, so yeah, Bill, you, you were like, uh, but no, the score is, is fine. I did not really notice Mm -hmm. the score because the soundtrack is almost wall to wall. It is. It's, it's very, it's very in there. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely noticed it. I noticed some Kendrick. I noticed some other, uh, pieces here and there. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good score for sure. Or good, good soundtrack. Yeah. I enjoyed um, it. So. And it's a good soundtrack, and and it's like the the fact that it is almost all diegetic, and that the characters are commenting upon it, 
Um, it, it's it's a kind of thing that we don't usually see a lot in movies, especially movies about teenagers and stuff where like they really focus on the music. And it reminded me of being a teenager myself and like sort of defining yourself by your music choices because I can't sit my friends down and make them watch every movie I love. But in the course of a 15 minute car ride, we can mm-hmm. hear three or four songs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know, I, skins I, existed guys. Let's not pretend that didn't exist. <laughs> no one watched skins. Well, I did. I watched the first season and a half of skins. All right. I don't know. Continue. When did he get hit by the bus? That was the end of the first season, right? That's end of first season. Spoilers for the end of first season. I didn't skins, say who. Whatever. <laughs> the asshole. <laughs> he got hit by a bus because, and I still maintain that the the producers had to be like, we have made this character so cartoonishly evil. How yeah. are we? But like, he's so popular. How are we going to keep him for next season without someone either killing him or him getting arrested? And they were just like. What if he got hit by a bus and his whole personality changed? I, I know. I guess all I'm saying is like whether it's YA, whether it's uh, teen shows from soaps to like melodramas, like there are often scenes where like two characters have a romantic or a friendship connection over listening to the same like diegetic song or something. Yes, but like Just this movie not- does it more often. And unlike the spinning camera, I feel that the repetition of that in this movie helps guide character development. Okay. In a meaningful way. And like, I don't know, like I, maybe I'm just misremembering, but I don't feel like Booksmart had any moment where people were like listening to music and talking about music. That was a much more plot driven movie. And this movie is a lot more of a hangout. Yeah. But, um, you know, still, still a thing. Um, Oh boy. Michael, did you figure out the movie that we could not, that we did not align with critical consensus last year? Is it Tully? People seem to like Tully. Oh, it might've been amount. Tully. I know, I know I hated Tully. Yeah, I didn't like Tully. Tully fucking sucked. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we all hated Apostle. Vice. Apostle. Oh, we Apostle didn't was like. another one that we all hated. Yeah. Um, yeah. We all hated Vice, but I can't remember if Vice had like a... I didn't it. had a 66 it. on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I listened, didn't hate it. I listened to our Vice episode a couple days ago, Bill, just because oh, no. I don't remember why. But we none of us were kind to it. You did say... At least it's trying to do some stuff. But I, I think I summarized your opinion as they shouldn't have done this at all. But at least they didn't do it boring. Yes, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Which is very much a double-edged sword of a compliment. Sure. We were very mixed on Ballad of Buster Scruggs, too, which a lot of people really like. That's that's as, as a picaresque vignette collage movie. I feel like that's to be expected in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Does everyone remember their favorite vignette from Ballad of Buster Scruggs? I still like the one with uh, with Liam Neeson and the oh meal ticket. Yeah. yeah. Mm. My favorite, I think, was still uh, the one with the prospector. Yes, Tom Waits. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, who wants to talk about spoilers for Waves? <laughs> Not really, but sure. <laughs> Let's do it. Sounds fine. Yeah. So the first half of this movie um, follows uh, Tyler. I almost said Taylor, but Taylor is the name of the actress who plays Emily. And Kelvin Harrison Jr. plays Tyler. Tyler is is a diptych. You got to say, how often do you get to say that? (laughs) It's a a diptych. Yes. (laughs) Not often. No. (laughs) So. 
So Tyler is an 18-year-old high school senior who at some point was cursed by a gypsy. <laughs> because in the course of maybe 46 hours, everything in his life goes from bright and sunny to utter shit. And th- this is this is my issue i think with a lot of this movie because if the movie had just been the second half which follows emily as she falls in love with lucas hedges um and and more importantly deals with the fallout of her brother which is having committed this terrible crime and her kind of having feeling isolated from her own school like jesus christ uh i think maybe in that instance uh school district like you can you can allow her to go to a different school district i think maybe that would be probably a good idea i don't know i don't know how family tragedy on that level kind of works but i think that seems like an obvious thing to do is just like you know the environment around her might turn toxic pretty quick Uh, let's move her to a different school district like you, you don't have to move physical locations but we're just gonna we're going to allow you a special privilege to just go to this different school. Bill, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuts and bolts (laughs) shit like that in this movie that I have a lot of issues with. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, there's that, like maybe we should move. There's the fact that, uh, and they say, you know, Tyler's 18, but he like, if I had an MRI, (laughs) I feel like my parents might be there. You know, if if well, I, if my dad was missing his oxycotton <laughs> after yeah. he very casually asked my my stepmother, "Hey, um, have you been taking my pain pills? My prescription strength highly addictive pain pills?" And <laughs> she said, "No." I yeah. feel like he would then turn to literally anyone else in the house and say, "Where the fuck are my dangerous pain pills?" Um, yes. I don't know. There's there's a lot of shit like that. The fact well, that, that um, like like the MRI thing though is pretty easy to hand wave because just look at their house, right? This this family obviously has quite a a decent amount of money, and so for him to get an MRI on his own is kind of like, yeah, I can I can see that, right? Like mm-hmm. I get that. Well, so, it's not that he, it's not the, even that he could afford one because I'm assuming even though he is 18 that he is no on no his no. I, I'm not saying like, that he afforded it himself. I'm just saying that his parents, like, I think money is often tied to the idea of getting like a medical exam done on your own, um, more than like your parents just need to be there, right? Like the strangest he, thing I've ever heard, but I cannot argue with you because I don't have any anecdotal evidence to the contrary. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I mean, do the know, rich send their kids to the doctors alone more than the non-rich? I, I, I guarantee you that's, that's definitely something that happens. Interesting. Like, See, my own, my one thing is, and this is another issue that I kind of have with this movie is these are the most disinterested parents on earth. It seems like it. I mean, he certainly spends a shit ton of time, you know, and and the mother even kind of calls him on it. Like you push Tyler, but you didn't really do much for Emily. And I was like, didn't well, do fucking much for Tyler either. <laughs> you know, he, well, I mean, he certainly tried. He's um, his trainer for Jim. But like what's weird is that like 
it's it that almost makes it worse because if his dad was just like whatever my kid's a wrestler i don't care but he's like watching what he eats training with him and like breaking down like game footage basically because he's a wrestler and he's like you know you got that kid because he was a punk but his his you know your your uh what's he say like your style not your style you're you're basically like your game sucks like yeah Yeah, your your technique sucks and so like you'd think that if he was going to a doctor's appointment his dad would want to be there because he is such a helicopter in terms of his kid's physical strength and well-being as it relates to the wrestling but again that's a good point this is and I could walk through a shit ton of stuff like that in this movie. And I am willing to sure. let movies slide on stuff like that. So, but like, it really bothered me that it bothered me. You know, I hated the <laughs> fact that I was noticing shit like that. Like, sure. That's, that's like, I don't like looking at my watch. Right. But, <laughs> but heaven help me. I got about halfway through this movie and I was like, I don't see where this movie's going to end up. I was like, let me, let me see what kind of time I've, I've run through. <laughs> I was like, holy shit i still got like an hour and 15 minutes left i was like what the fuck is this movie so yeah i uh uh, you know i don't want to be that person that checks on on their phone i usually try to somewhat avoid like knowing the runtime ahead of time so i can't do that kind of stuff but this film it just happened that I was trying to make sure I was getting home at a certain time and I was like, okay, I need to look up the runtime. Okay, fine. Like, right. It becomes a situation where you, you say to the movie, like how, how dare you make me do these things that I don't like? Like, (laughs) absolutely. You know, I, like I have loved many a movie where people have been like, well, what about this plot hole? And I'm like, I did not realize that that was a plot hole. Um, because part of the, part of the success of a movie is it's, its ability to make you suspend your disbelief. A lot of time people say suspension of disbelief in terms of a movie just to hand wave away everything. Sure. But a movie has to earn that from you. You know, like mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese has a lot of continuity errors in his movies if you look for them. And the reason that you don't see them is because the rest of the movie is so kinetic and magnetic to your eyes and your brain that you are not seeking them out. I think I think Nolan and Nolan, Spielberg yeah. are are the two biggest of those. Like they're the, the most guilty of both of those situations where like, you know, try and, and whittle out the plot of Inception and you your brain may turn into spaghetti. But fuck me as a movie watching experience. It's fantastic. Right. Like right. you just can't help it. Um, and, and I you know, this famous said- scene. The famous scene in Jurassic Park where the T-Rex like comes yeah. out and you're like, wait, now there's suddenly a, a giant fucking ditch? Like <laughs> Yeah, when it I, as a child yeah. that confused me when I when I was trying to replay the the, the movie with my toys <laughs> in my backyard. I was like yeah. it became it became almost like I was uh the the main character of JFK, where I was just like <laughs> I had my little diorama set up and I was like but if he pushed it over the ditch in the hole where he just stepped out of, then oh how could God. he have stepped out? Yes. <laughs> Unless he has expendable le- or extendable legs. Yeah. Like go, go gadget. But you, you <laughs> do not realize that in the moment. And, and afterwards when you do realize it, it does not ruin the movie for you because you're like, no, but the movie still rules. Yeah, exactly. Um, this movie does not have that. Um, and this we will, movie does not rule. <laughs> we will get to that. I think a little bit, a little bit later 
Um, because I, I will just say, imagine. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, like, keep going. So, so here's my here's my thing. Like I I'm watching this movie right, and one of the reasons that I think I said um you know I like the 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 latter half of this movie should have been the whole movie is that as this movie stands, the time frame of both halves is so compressed that they become comical like they become impossible to square with reality and everything changes too quickly and so the and and it it changes while the aesthetics are still trying to push this sense of like verite you know real world nonsense on you and it just your your brain like rebels like it, it just doesn't work and and kelvin harrison is is uh junior is clearly a talented actor scene to scene he does what is asked of him and does it very well but he is not actor enough to overcome the poor writing that turns him into a legitimate monster <laughs> like it's just yeah. it's just incredible like and it doesn't come off as a sense of like, oh, well, we never really knew this character. And now we're seeing the real him. Like, no, sure. we, we just feel like this character has made a shift because we need this thing to happen in a rushed way. So then we can rush through his sister's, you know, spiritual redemption and forgiveness. Well, I think I think part of that is you could again, you could uh, try to talk about how this is trying to communicate I, you know, I, I joke that Euphoria is this if it had a point of view, and, and I really do think that this film lacks such a sense of surrounding reality around these kids. Like, you know, you do get brief glances into, uh, excuse me, into Calvin Harrison Jr.'s headspace, but like, you know, and, and you see brief bits where, okay, you realize he has a girlfriend, you realize that, you know, he's well liked at school but like that reality is so thin compared to what it wants to communicate about his like entire worldview and his like moment to moment experience that then when it jumps to oh i'm screaming at my girlfriend because she's late to uh to I need to take pain pills because I definitely shouldn't be wrestling when I already had a was it a fracture is that what it was slap tear Thank you, Bill. I don't know what that is, but thank you. I, the a slap tear, like it's just the way that it ramps up is so cartoonish to me. Like there's never a point where I felt like these people were real people. So it oscillated between like a this really obnoxiously shot after school special and like this just blatant misery porn, which, you know, I guess some after school specials are kind of misery porn if we're being honest. But like either way, I think like before you get into any picks to net, before you get into any structural things, I think this film is fundamentally fails at trying to communicate anything about these characters other than this heightened pain and this like, but but it's it's not like articulated pain. It's just it's just constant uh, pummeling, uh, like calculated emotions. Uh, like someone is just uh, I don't know, like, like banging on a keyboard, hoping you're going to get an emotional reaction out of it. There's no sense of like uh, there's no sense of nuance, and that's without even getting into Brian like. As much, yeah, we're in spoilers right now, but we didn't mention that, like, the first half of this movie literally ends with him 
with him killing his girlfriend. Like yes. Bill already mentioned it, but like that is the halfway point of this fucking movie. Which and that I, sequence is so obnoxious. I watched this movie on a screener at home. And um he goes and he he, he fucking kills his girlfriend by uh punching her so hard she falls to the ground and breaks her brain, I guess. In a in a concrete uh gra- or uh, excuse me, garage. Yeah. Yes. It is indeed a garage or a carport. Um, so, uh, so what was I going to say? So yeah, he, um, he does that. And then the aspect ratio changes. And one of many times. Yes. And (laughs) so I just, this is just something I have to say out loud. And again, this isn't one of those things where I'm like, and this knit that I am picking destroys the whole movie. But this family did they just not want to spend money on an attorney for this kid? The fact oh, because he 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 uh, admits or pleads guilty. D- did he did he plead guilty or was he found guilty? And if he pled no, he guilty, pleads, he, he why did he plead? Guilty. How does he? How is his plea deal murder too? I don't know. How yeah, is his that plea seems, deal? That not, seems like. Uh, usually when you plea, you usually end up getting a lighter sentence because you're basically telling the state like, Hey, fuck off, save your money. I'm pleading guilty. Like, like they give you the offer of lesser time to plead guilty, to speed up the process. Because if you know anything about the court system, especially nowadays, uh, they want to get you in and out of there. They're not interested in in, it costs money to prosecute someone. And there is always, always, always the chance at a jury trial that someone's going to go free. Mm -hmm. Now he get, get a worse sentence, right? Right. So so it works in everyone's benefit. Now here's the thing. How, what did they start at to get this kid to plea to second degree murder? Yeah. I don't know. The, like, I, I feel, this, I feel like that, that is, that is, is a bit has, of a, yeah. It this, is voluntary manslaughter written issues. all over it. It is literally sure. a crime of passion. And anyone could say he like broke basically. Like you couldn't go full, you know, not guilty by reason of insanity, but you could definitely say extenuating circumstances, voluntary manslaughter. And I don't know what that gets you in, in fucking Florida. Does Florida just not have involuntary manslaughter? Like what is happening here? How is this possible? It's just I, like they said murder two life sentence, 30 years. You can maybe get parole. And I was like, what happened? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> this was clearly an accident. There was no malice aforethought. Yeah. It was not. Now, here's the thing. Second degree murder means not premeditated, which this is. But mm-hmm. it does not, I believe, have malice aforethought. This is clearly a crime of passion. He went there with no intent to murder. And, you know, it was, it was just crazy. It was like fucking nuts. But also the fact that he, and this may just be the part of me that is inherently against the idea of abortion without being one of these crazy people who would stand outside of an abortion clinic, as we see in this movie, it's just rocking my soul that he became that furious with her for wanting to keep their child. Well, I know he's going through a lot and that he's also on pills and drinking and getting so stoned that he can't open his eyes. Mm -hmm. But 
it just was like that's the thing like that's what's gonna drive him to the level of fury that he punches a wall and destroys his room like maybe and have that be that the, f- the pivot of the entire movie as right. if it, it as if it has some external significance it's not even like it's not even like you know someone found out about his pill use and they were gonna like go to the cops or something like or what if he was sure. using steroids and he was gonna get turned in like you know it's it's his girlfriend is pregnant she doesn't think she can do it and they get into a heated argument and then they get into another heated argument mm-hmm. and then she she breaks up with him and it, what's weird is that she doesn't even seem like she's gonna make him a part of the life of their child no so it's not like she's like i'm gonna tell everyone uh everyone's gonna know even though everyone probably will know because they were definitely dating but she's not like i'm gonna like sue you sure forced you to pay for custody like my parents know they are supportive i am fine i just don't want to be with you because you are not handling this in the way that i would like you to Mm -hmm. and then he becomes overcome by jealousy his uh shoulder gets worse and he uh he goes and he straight up second degree murders her apparently And then the rest of the movie is his, like you said, Bill, his his sister learning to, like, forgive him and, like, find beauty in the world and, like, bring their family back together. But it's, it does, there's not enough time. Like, there's not enough no. energy put into her. Like, I, like she, she goes on this magical road trip to watch Lucas Hedges watch his father die. Which is the best scene of the movie. And I think it's hilarious that he can write the two white characters better than any of the black characters, but yeah, it's a little awkward. (laughs) I read a, um, I read a review and Oh God, I should have kept it. Um, but someone in the, in, in the critical community mentioned that, uh, it was also very disturbing that there were scenes where it seemed as though he legitimately did not know how to light his African-American actors. Oh yeah. No, I kind of noticed some of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you need a Bradford young. Yeah, like <clears throat> that's why you need legitimately. Uh, you just I don't know, you like know how to do that. <laughs> just someone, you know, yeah. just anyone. Especially when it's about a black family. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. <sighs> Sorry, I'm getting. And mad what's again. weird is that, like, you know, Barry Jenkins in pretty much the same geographical area made a a strikingly beautiful movie that knew exactly how to light its African American <sighs> subjects. This is what we needed. We found a way for Brian to say something nice about Moonlight. Wait, wait, wait. I Okay, I, now we'd have to go back and listen to it, and I don't want to do that. But I feel as though I had I'm, I'm nice things to, to say about Moonlight. You did. You did. Yes. I'm talking And I don't I'm feel talking. like I – I feel like the, I had a – I had – I think maybe like a little bit of trouble with the way that it was shot, but I don't think the color was ever the issue. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, there's – uh, if Beale Street could talk, which was the movie that broke me because <laughs> I was like, it's too beautiful. It made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. I forgot about that. Brian, you're weird. <laughs> I'm super weird. Yeah. I, I uh, Barry Jenkins is a talented writer director. I believe that he will make a movie that I love incredibly. Like one day he will have a movie that is in my top 10 of the year. If you know, like, and maybe I'll even like go back to Moonlight or Beale Street in like three years and it will be that movie. But there's just something about his intimacy with his characters and everything that just is like, whoa, boy, can't do it. <laughs> but compared to this, it compared- actually. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah this this movie is is too much it, it, this movie is attempting to be a lot of things it's attempting to be a barry jenkins film it's attempting to be a terrence malick film it's attempting to be a manchester by the sea style look into all kinds of like guilt and and fear and loss and it's just not really succeeding at being any of them and by attempting to be all of them fails completely it's a very bizarre marriage film too for like 10% of it. I was being like, generous to the percentage. <laughs> Cause he's like, why won't you have sex with me? And she's like, I don't know. My son is in jail. <laughs> my son is in jail. You didn't help him. And then, and then like he, he goes and like cries to his daughter about it. And then, and then I don't, I legit, this is the problem that I have with the end of this film. And people are like, Oh, it's like a film. It breaks you down. It builds you back up again. But it's more like a film that slaps you and then gives you a Band-Aid. And you're like, um, <laughs> I, that didn't hurt that much. And I am not bleeding. So I don't know what this is for. <laughs> and it just happens so quickly. Like, again, like she, she uh, the Emily, who is played. This is one of the strongest performances in the movie. Um, y- yes. Yeah. She is. She is a fantastic actress. And um, her name is Taylor Russell. She's great. Um, I th- I like the the just the way that she talks, like the the way that her voice changes between who she's talking to, her whole little spiel about why she wants to be a vet. Th- this actually is a little bit like Beale Street. It made me cringe because it was just too real. <laughs> like, yeah, there's too much honesty there, and it makes me uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, she, I, I guess she, I I need to say something. Do it. This cinematographer shot skin that movie about the white kid who is given blackface oh wait wait the the short film skin or the long yeah, film the skin? short film but still yes. oh boy that's, that's the worst <laughs> one i feel hey look also shoots euphoria yes yeah i saw that it really makes me want to go back after <laughs> Oh. Okay, sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. But not, I just I I thanks, couldn't not Michael. mention that. I'm thanks, sorry, Michael. <laughs> not happy about that. Um, what was I going to say? Ooh. Anyway, that yeah, there's a lot of problems. Um, and and Emily has like a she is great. She's innately a more sympathetic character. Um, but she has the same problem that her brother's story does, which is too much, too fast, and it it moves in such a rush that it leaves me unable to connect with any of the moments in a way that really brings me to it. The whole movie really ought to have been structured around her relationship with Lucas Hedges, her opening up to him about everything that happened with her brother. You know, maybe we know immediately what happened with her brother, but then we learn her perspective on it and we learn the extenuating circumstances. And um, and then, you know, his his journey to meet his dad, who doesn't die fast enough for him mm-hmm. i feel like no i'm not gonna pick that net yeah <laughs> let's, let's move on yeah that's fine oh boy um i will say again like i i think i told you michael when when you you asked if i finished the movie which how dare you i've never <laughs> not, i've never not finished Should the movie. Bill that. <laughs> um oh, jesus you Thanks. did say you were thinking about walking out. I I, I did. I, I definitely I definitely looked at the clock and was like, is this going to get any better? There's no way. And then it did. <laughs> yeah. What's crazy is that, like, again, 
the second half of this movie feels like a good movie that is being strangled to death by the first part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the problem is that I mean, dare you, I say murder murder one <laughs> <laughs> premeditation is the is the necessity for murder one. So yeah, I would say so yeah. on a script level, murder one. My issue is is that, like I said, there is so much good that happens in the second half of this movie, but it it just it, it can't even be given that credit too much because it it's not enough. It's not strong enough. It. It's not staying there. <laughs> yeah, and um, and it's really sad because, like I said, I I believe that the actors are all capable of giving performances that are strong, and I almost feel like if. Kelvin Harrison Jr. as Tyler had been relegated to kind of illuminating flashbacks that his performance almost would have come off stronger because his individual scenes of greatness wouldn't have felt so accelerated and isolated because, you know, we're basically following him alone for the first part of the movie. And and his breakdown is, again, almost unfathomably fast and violent and not violent and meaning like he murdered someone but violent in the way of like it's just a very quick rough change on a script and editing and and narrative level yeah yeah i think i think that that party sequence lasts about a good 20 minutes or somewhere around there and i was just like oh man like you know, as soon as he pushes his father and calls his stepmom a bitch and then like takes off, I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, if I had any doubt at that point that nothing bad or, you know, nothing that bad was going to happen at this party, it, it went right out the window as soon as that sequence started. Right. And then he gets to the party and just proceeds to get drunker and drunker. And I was just like, Jesus, like this is just and he's just like stalking his ex-girlfriend around the entire time, which in like a party, I'm I'm really shocked that like, look, I've been in high school, maybe not a high school that size. I'm sure this is more of a, a it, we're, we're thinking this is a public school, right? I believe, now that you've asked this question, That's, I just don't know. Huh. I I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> it seems like a fairly large school. Um, yeah. And so I would say even still, if you're friends with Emily or not Emily, is it Emily? Um, yes. What, Emily Russell? is his sister. No, no, no. I'm talking about uh, his, his ex-girlfriend. Sorry. Alexis. Alexis, he he just calls her goddess on his text message. Um, but anyways, uh, if you're friends with her and they just had like a giant breakup, right? Like like she's going to prom with somebody else. That's a big deal. Um, I would feel like maybe someone would be like, yo, your ex is here, dude. Like, isn't that crazy? I didn't even know As he was. A, I haven't been to parties know? a lot recently, Bill. But I feel like there is a whisper network at a party for every new person who enters. Mm-hmm. And you are 100% right. Like yeah, within 12 seconds that, of him being there, the, the, the signal would have gone up. Yes. Not only that, and, but, and you know, I'm not going to try to disparage the youth of our nation too much. Had she told <laughs> anyone that she was pregnant yet? 
I, I like, don't did her know. friends know? I don't know, but I I would imagine some of her closer friends maybe knew. And right, like maybe, maybe the guy who she friends. said was like a friend since elementary school who was her date. Yes. Would you then send the the woman who you knew to be well, not woman, she's a girl. She's like, well, well I don't know, whatever. You would you then send the person who just told you that they were pregnant to go fetch you some beers? Why yeah. was she why like like it's just like when people find out people are pregnant, it's like, oh my God, that's so great. Oh my God, sit down. You know? Like, <laughs> but these kids are apparently yeah. like, oh, word, great. Can you go get me some beers? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think I think that was the situation just to get her alone. Like, why was she, like, does she own this house? Like, why is she getting beer out of a garage refrigerator? That seems like a very weird thing. Like, shouldn't there just be copious amounts of alcohol in the kitchen where it belongs. Like what, why is someone going to a fucking garage? That seems a little sketchy. So yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's a fucking, that that's just movie bullshit right there. You know, that's, that's to get her alone with him. Right. So. But, and again, it's, it's, there's something about this where I'm just like feeling all of that. Like there's a lot of sure. stuff in this movie that just like, it's just like, you know, if you if you write a movie well enough, you can get away with one or two of those. But there's a moment where I just start tallying them up and I'm like, I don't know, like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, the, I was so happy at a certain point in Emily's sojourn to watch Lucas Hedges' father die of cancer um, that, like, it turned out that her parents knew that she wasn't where she said she was going to be and were furious at her because mm-hmm. I was, like, losing my ability to believe that these people were not just figments of their children's imagination and their real parents died three months ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, when they, when she's like, it'll take two days to get to Missouri. I was like, Trey Edward Schultz pump the brakes. You can make that a day, bro. Like you can, you can make that a day. You don't have to make it two days because then it's not just I'm going there in two days it's i'm getting back in four days that's a hell of a different story like that's a long time to just be like i you know and it seemed like they were in the middle of the school year i was like uh what the fuck what do you mean you're gone for four days and that's if nothing happens at the hospital that's just that's if you you go to the hospital you high five your sick dad he dies and then you get the fuck out of there like that's not going to happen. So you got to much a child's gotta, plan in that way. Like <laughs> you, you got to have a buffer there of like one to two days, I would say like at minimum. So the whole time I was just like Schultz, like just make it, make it an eight hour trip, right? Like that would be enough time where the kids would have to start to think about, okay, how are we going to tell our parents that we're just gone for 16 hours, right? Like just gone. And then, okay, maybe it turns into a day. Maybe it turns into two days, right? And it's like, okay, so maybe we're going to have to do a hotel. Maybe we're going to, but no, two days. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you backing yourself into this corner? <laughs> like, yeah, her parents would be fucking and luckily Furious. they were. I was really yes. happy with that. But then there was still a part of me that was like, I just feel like, and you know, my, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's, I see things like this in movies and I'm like, maybe this happens. Like maybe, maybe people are cool. Like with their kids just disappearing <laughs> as long as they text back every now and then, you know? Like, well, sure, sure. And she wasn't. 
So <laughs> they get pr- progressively more mad. And she, you know. what's weird though, is that, and I can't, I can't decide if I want to see it or I'm happy. I didn't have to see whatever they would have made it be, but she's like, I'm doing something important. And when I come back, like, I'll tell you all what it is, blah, blah, blah. Like, I want us to talk again. And then, you know, like, her dad touches her mom's hand and in their, their murderous son's bed. And <laughs> she 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 drives down the, uh, the street in, in a bike and spreads her arms out and tilts her head back. Which, <laughs> I don't know, have any of you guys seen uh, City of Angels starring Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan? Uh, yes i was not expecting this continue i think i think i have yeah my memory of that movie is is um watching it with my parents um i think i wanted to see it because i really loved that goo goo dolls song that was on the soundtrack iris yeah because i don't want the world to see me yeah that one um continue because i don't think that they'd understand Okay. I'm I'm not I'm not going to immediately stop this. <laughs> I just want you to know who I am. Anyway, okay. Oh boy. It's over. I can't do it. I've been talking all day. I've been inhaling ethanol fumes all weekend. Oh, that's your excuse. The oh. distillery's going great, by the way. Um <laughs> Don't drink and drive, kids. Oh, that is the worst part about working at a distillery is like, I am stone sober when I leave, but I am reeking of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sir, have you been drinking? I own a distillery. <laughs> I was I was up to my waist in a barrel filled with gin. <laughs> so anyway, what was I going to say? Um, so in that movie, um, Nicholas Cage is an, Nicholas Cage is an angel. And he um, falls in love with Meg Ryan and he does a thing and becomes a human. And he's like, oh, my God, I get to be in love with Meg Ryan now. And she is so excited that she rides a bicycle and holds her arms out and closes her eyes and is fucking murdered by a truck. Oh, Jesus. And that is how that movie ends. And every time that I see a character in anything do that. I assume that they are going to die. And so this movie was very stressful for me because it is nothing but people doing that on bikes and in cars. Mm. Especially like that first scene of, uh, of uh, Tyler and Alexis driving. Oh yes. Especially because I knew that this movie was about a quote unquote loss or tragedy. And I was like, is the tragedy that he and his girlfriend die like immediately? Like, is that what I'm watching right now? Is the in- there's definitely been movies like that? I, um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, uh, Rabbit Hole is one. Yeah, but yeah. There's some others. Yeah, but like, yeah, that was my old. And like, there's a there was a point when I um was watching this movie and I kept thinking to myself, I am still waiting for the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am I am still waiting for a plot. And then <clears throat> and then he punches his girlfriend and she dies. And I immediately said. Okay, what the fuck? I thought it was like, then it's like, I was like, okay, are we now going to switch to the perspective of her family? You know, like, what's it, especially when I saw Clifton Collins Jr. (laughs) Who has such a, A, does not need to grow out his hair. Uh, That's, (laughs) that's not a good look, bro. Um, But B, yeah, I I was like, 
whoa, they're just going to do like a side shot of this guy. Like I know him, <laughs> you know, um, granted, he's not a big, big name actor, but he's like, he's definitely got a recognizable face and some people would probably even recognize his name. And it's one of those scenes where it's just like, you just, you don't cast him to be in this movie for two minutes, but they did. <laughs> I'm I'm still I'm still like angry about it because I was like, oh, Clifton Collins Jr. is is here. Love him. He's a great actor. Can't wait to see what he does. Never shows up again. Mm-hmm. And it was really uh, it was really hard for me to handle that because I thought for sure that we were going <laughs> to shift to Alexis's family or like that that Emily would grow close to Alexis. There's something would happen with Clifton I- Collins fucking Jr. I, th- I thought that was going to happen in the second half because because Alexis and, and Emily were definitely close. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't feel like that was strictly because of their, of you know, uh, Tyler. I felt like that was maybe something a little bit a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I I was I was hoping that's where it went. The fact that it went down with Lucas Hedges, I was fine with besides the fact that it was it was giving me the shivers. Um, but other than that, I was like, this, this kid's nice. Like, well done. <laughs> I was waiting, waiting for him to turn into a shithead at some point. I and he never does that. Yeah. But, but just, just as, um, Tyler was cursed by a gypsy, Emily was blessed by a nicer gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I said, you know, like there's a part of me that's like, this kind of movie should be 100%. My thing um but i think that by bifurcating the narrative like this by not just shuffling it by not just anchoring it on emily and her experience and especially by by stacking the deck so heavily against tyler and compressing all these time frames because it's not like i'm sitting here going like this poor kid like he just had no outs you know i'm just thinking like maybe calm the fuck down a little bro like this is like you're you you were spiraling out and it's frustrating to watch. And it's now frustrating that, like, I'm not watching your parents get the karmic retribution that I feel that they need for not noticing. And and the only person who's blameless, I feel, is Emily, because she's such a non-entity into the, in the movie until the second half. Mm-hmm. Like, there is there is a startling lack of any real familial dynamic in this movie startling lack of character <laughs> yes I, yes that's a good point <laughs> but it's just like, like don't, let's not give it too much credit here <laughs> i mean it's is it, it we, yeah it, it's missing a lot of very basic things and i think one of them is any sense that these people are a real family or not vessels for pain <laughs> yeah or or beautiful retribution and awkward sexual lucas has it hmm. yeah i just tripped right. over that name so hard <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was gonna let, okay. let you. I was okay. gonna let you get away with it. <laughs> you, 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 we, we gave you the Stilberg or Spielberg pass. Wow, I did it too. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> Here we go. Oh boy. <laughs> let's, let's let's fucking end this. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, it's it's funny that for once when Bill says that I might agree with him. We've had yeah. people in the past say, "Does Bill actually want to be on this podcast?" <laughs> He's always the one who says, can we end this? I um, I just want to reiterate, like there, there are things. Oh, my God. My voice just seized up. We really should yeah, have stopped. Yeah, I don't believe you. 
Um, there Having are a things, hard time getting it out. <laughs> there are things in this movie that I find that I I almost hate the fact that I didn't get to like this movie because I feel like you could take these parts and rearrange them and utilize them better and I would be fully on board. And so it it sucks that like I can't do that here. Like I I there like if I almost feel like this movie would come off better in 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 an end of year montage like of someone who really liked it. You know, yep. and was like, do, like that, uh, that, that top twenty-five movies of whatever that uh, David Ehrlich puts out. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. I know Michael is uh, willfully <laughs> hysterically blind to that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, like you know, if you were to do like a thirty-second montage of stuff that happens in this movie, you know, it would it would play pretty well because there's a lot of stuff here that plays well in in snippets, but like altogether, it just becomes too much, and it's. And it sucks. And I don't think it's the, the fault of any of the actors. I think it falls squarely on um, cinematography, which, you know, is striking at times. You know, when when Alexis and uh, Tyler are making out in the waves um, on one of those, you know, crazy, you know, magic hour things where apparently everyone's at the beach and her fingers are just so her fingernails are so fucking bright. Um and they're going through his waves. Yes. Whoa. They are. That's waves the name of the movie. Of his blonde hair. Um, that's what the titular waves, Michael. <laughs> oh boy. Um. <sighs> um. Like that. There, yeah, yeah. Like there's there's good stuff there, but it's just it sucks. It's it, the movie never earns all of those things that it does, and it just becomes so much dressing on not enough not enough salad. That was a terrible food analogy. We really do have to end this. Yeah. The hospital scene's okay. The rest of the movie's bad. That, that's that's my final thought. <laughs> the yeah. hospital scene's not remotely earned, but it's it's okay. And again, that's like kind of what I was saying. You know, it's like you got you got these great moments with Emily, you know, and um I think the style even suits her a little bit better. Like I felt Felt like like the montages cut over with like their phone conversations. Yeah, I just feel like I really feels like he made the first half of this movie, went to better filmmaker school, and then made the second half and just did not revisit the first. I don't know. I I, I think it's really interesting too how the second half like. It, it doesn't feel like it's going to be divorced from the first half, but like it's weird how much it it changes rhythm and feels like it finds a rhythm and a like pleasurable pace. And then you steer back into the family and it's like, Oh, this is a roadblock, <laughs> but we're just going to steer right into it. While the camera spins inside the car, 360 yes. degrees. Oh, <laughs> yep. We're done. <laughs> All right. We brought it around 360 degrees like a camera. Um, Let's end this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess apologies to everyone out there who might have liked Waves. We really did try to have someone on who liked the movie. Yeah, you just have we to really trust did. us. <laughs> this um, is this is gonna happen. I don't. I like as much as I feel like we should apologize. I also feel like look, like Bill's just like fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know oh. these assholes. I don't know them anything. <laughs> 
We, um, I will say I, that because I have liked movies and then listened to two podcasts where people just shit on them. And it's not a fun experience, especially if it's a no, podcast that I like because it feels like a betrayal. And it also can sometimes be a worse conversation, you know, without that back and forth and that give and take. And I have tried to be charitable to this movie where I can. I am sorry that that was not as much as some people may have liked. But, you know, I just want people to know that we didn't all suddenly realize that we all hated this movie and decide, fuck this movie. We're just going to we're just going to shit on it. We we do try to have people we try to we can usually depend on one of us to break away from the other two. Yeah, usually we we do not perfectly align on a lot of these films. And uh, unfortunately, today is is not that, Um, you know, I, I definitely concede the point with Ryan that like I recently listened this is a tangent um last tangent of the day uh I recently listened back through the blank check podcast because um uh another podcast is doing a whole Star Wars retrospective kind of leading up to the new one and I listened to their uh podcast on Revenge of the Sith and they both just shat all over it and I was like no this is the best of the prequels what are you doing right now and it was like an hour and a half uh, or like two and a half hours of podcast and about like 20 or 30 minutes in I was just like yeah delete just <laughs> <laughs> like I I can't listen to y'all shit all over this movie when this is definitely like even like widely considered the best of the three prequels and I was just like no oh no <laughs> so yeah that was uh and like i will listen to them shit on anything but at that point i was just i, w- I wasn't ready for it so yeah, yeah it's uh it's tough it's tough to listen to someone else shit all over your movie especially in a podcast format when you cannot do anything yeah there's about literally it. nothing you can do <laughs> yeah. but uh if you want to do something you can email us i i would sure. fully love to get an email from someone who liked waves uh you know if you what's funny is we are apologizing anyone who liked this movie has probably already deleted this podcast yes but if you have listened all the way through first of all gold star for you love you glad to have you here email us podcast at filmstage.com legitimately tell us that you liked this movie and and you know come at us a little bit you know respectfully but you know we uh we do read those and we do respond to them yeah yeah, sure. People are usually surprised when we uh, when we respond to emails, and then they realize that they have all of our emails when we respond back. <laughs> or tweeted us. I mean, like I love it when people come at me because usually it starts off in a place of anger and then goes to a place of understanding. Um, or or and we isn't get a there's nothing more wave like in this world than starting at anger and then coming to a place of understanding. Ugh. I'm so <laughs> sorry, Michael. <laughs> So anyway, um, we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. Again, you can get a free trial of Mubi by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. That is mubi.com slash filmstage. The Widowed Witch, the film of the day today, and it sounds awesome. Uh, don't also forget, don't, don't also forget, don't forget also the Cotton Club Encore from Francis Ford Coppola is on there as well. Coppola. Also, don't Coppola. forget. Um, yes, also, don't forget to remember to not forget. Um, MUBI.com slash filmstage. Go to the go to Patreon.com slash the filmstage show to give us your money. Michael, what are we talking about next week? 
Uh, I think we're talking about the Star War. Oh, yeah. They called. I am. Uh, so, so we're talking about Baby Yoda, right? I will have to binge watch the entirety of The Mandalorian. No, we are only talking about Bill Burr, Amy Sedaris, and <laughs> shit. I, I don't know the rest of this bit. What, who's the other comedian that showed up? Haven't they had a bunch of random comedians on it for some reason, Bill? Oh, uh, what is it? Pillboy from the, Mandalorian? Uh, the Good Place. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, Pillboy. Pillboy's great. Um, Donkey Doug is his dad, right? I, I don't know. I, I I think I think this is from the either the current season or the last season of The Good Place, and I've only seen the first two seasons, and I started briefly the third season, so I am not up to speed. So when they when people were like, I can't see him as anything but Pillboy, I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is, so I didn't have that issue. <laughs> So yeah, next week um, we will be talking about uh, with touching. Fuck. <laughs> we will be. I am dying. We will be talking about Star Wars. Is it Rise of Skywalker or the Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> That's going to be my new problem. That's the new definite article that I have to worry about. There, there will probably be a guest on that one. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, it is Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, yes. We will talk about the titular Star Wars. We will talk about the titular rise of the titular Skywalker, and only Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, whole episode will just be talking about how, no matter how good this is, the Last Jedi was better because we want to make enemies of everyone. Oh God! Um, <laughs> Save me from the next episode. We're gonna have a whole podcast about the movie, and then we're gonna have a whole three other podcasts about the discourse. Capital T, capital D. Um, look forward to that. Uh, th- we have a whole, a whole. The next two months of this podcast are gonna be crazy. We have all of our stuff yeah. settled. We're gonna be talking about some great movies. Um, can't wait to do it. We just have to get through Star Wars first. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. Uh, that is all for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we get out of here, let's tell the fine people where we can be found between now and the next time that we are in their ears. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me watching the end of the Watchmen uh, on Twitter at cable BFG. Do not at Pretty me, sure bros. it's just Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fucking fantastic. It has given me life. Uh, definitely the best thing on TV I've seen in a long time. Um, and that's counting Succession and counting Little Baby Yoda as well. I, every time someone says Baby Yoda, I just picture Disney executives freaking the fuck out because I know that they don't want people to call him Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they have called him the child. I've also heard him... Uh, referred to as uh, just baby. <laughs> baby is the last dinosaur, so that's not going to work. Yes. The child also is. I, I thought oh, he's so Ansel Elgort. Yeah. Wait, you're going to call him Ansel Elgort? Well, baby. Oh, baby driver. I totally forgot about that because Ansel Elgort is a memory hole. All right. Anyway, Michael Snydell, where can people find you on the internet between now and the next time? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Snydell. You can find me on Letterboxd. Still getting in some final movies this year. 
Um, and then I'm never going to watch a new movie ever again. Um, and I've been doing some list stuff. I wrote about, oh fuck, I'm gonna have to remember. Okay, I wrote about uh, best docs, or two best docs for the film stage, uh, Homecoming and Rolling Thunder Review. I uh, will have uh, two blurbs for uh, performances for the film stage, which is coming up this week. I'm not sure when that's coming out, so I will not say what they are. Uh, and also for the spool, I wrote uh, five of the best films of the 2019 thing. Uh, Transit, Long Day's Journey Into Night, Uncut Gems. Fuck. Pain and Glory and Diane. Damn, son. That's it. That's it. Uh, as for me, um, oh, and I, I wrote about Richard Jewell. Richard no, good. Fuck, fuck off. <laughs> You're done. You're done. <laughs> um, I I still need to talk to Jordan. There is a a small possibility that I will be reviewing Cats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I I still I haven't turned in my RSVP to the screening yet. It may be too late, but I know that Jordan at some point was like. Brian, are you going to watch Cats? And I was like, I don't know why. He's like, because I feel like you're the only person who's going to possibly watch Cats that you could review. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe. Um, but other than that, uh, I got a lot of stuff over at thefilmstage.com. I wrote a treatise on A Hidden Life, Terrence Malick's new film that you can find at my personal site, brianjrowan.com. Um, and that's that's about it. All of my stuff everywhere else on the internet at Brian J. Rowan. Check it out. Uh, if you need proof that I do, in fact, work at a distillery and I'm not just making up excuses for being so tired, um, BrianJRowan.com, or not BrianJRowan.com, Brian J. Rowan on Instagram, and you can see pictures and shit. So that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next week. Just talk to Jesus. He said, What up, Jesus? I said, Shit, I'm chilling. Trying to stack these millions. I know he the most. High.